This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Roy, was there any particular significance to you kissing the court when you, t- when you left? Yeah. <laughs> we only lost one game there. And I th- always thought I loved the home arena and what we were doing. And uh, uh, this year, the home court was not fans. It was the familiarity of the basket, familiarity with the floor, familiarity with the backdrop background. And uh, I'd like to go back over and play that Marquette game again, but it's not like golf. You don't get a mulligan. Roy Williams was quick with names and good with a whistle. The story of how he made it to the top with two of the Blue Blood programs in college basketball has been told. But not like this, and not with this type of honesty and insight from that dadgum legend himself. Now, the Roy That Dadgum Legend podcast. There's a bar at the Jersey Shore in Manasquan. It's called Leggett's. When it's time for everyone to go home, they play the Star-Spangled Banner. If only coaching was as easy as a late night at Leggett's. How do you know when it's over? There isn't a sign as conspicuous as a closing song, but there are cues. They're not always easy to decipher, though. Mike Schmidt, arguably the greatest third baseman in baseball history, ended his Hall of Fame career after a Monday road game in San Diego, 42 games into the 1989 season. Johnny Unitas and Joe Montana, they had to finish their Hall of Fame football careers outside of the cities that they made famous. Coaches, even the best, get pushed out all of the time. Before they want to go, say hello to Bobby Bowden. Really, only Dean Smith left on his terms. And later, he admitted he probably had a few more seasons in him. The decision on April 1st for Roy Williams wasn't easy. He actually thought about shutting it all down after the 2019-20 season his only losing season in 33 years as a head coach. But he was talked out of it. Actually, his wife Wanda had suggested back after the 2009 team roared through the NCAA tournament for Williams' second NCAA title that he called a career then. Think about what he would have missed. And that's the rub for the greats. They all believe they have one more run in them. All too often, they can't figure out that they don't until it's too late. It wouldn't have been right for Roy Williams to walk away after the 2020 season. Coming back and getting UNC to the tournament in 2021 in an odd pandemic season where up was down and everything was backwards, that wasn't easy. But it was enough for Williams to read the cues and walk off the Smith Center floor and kiss it goodbye one last time. Let's go to the end. Yep. You said you considered or Wanda wanted you to consider retiring after 09. Mm. Did you give it? First of all, that team was amazing. Yeah. I don't think I'm pointing out the uh, anything pretty that obvious. you did not know. <laughs> uh, I, I, many would point out that was your best team. Um, so there, there is a train of thought there that you had this spectacular season. You just destroyed everybody but LSU in that tournament. So maybe you say, you know what? 
pretty great time to go out. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was some of her thought process too. Uh, but did you give it any serious consideration? Uh, at least three seconds. Three. Okay. At least three. <laughs> you know, and what she wanted, she didn't really care that much about giving up coaching because we'd won. It's just that she thought it was wearing on me and I was getting older faster than other people. And it, the losses had gotten worse and worse and worse. And that, okay, now you could go out on top and you're losing a lot of guys and, you know, this kind of thing. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it was, I listened to her and shook my head yes and but said, honey, I'm not ready yet. You told uh, the great Bill Knack once that I don't have nightmares because I don't sleep. And it's because of that, mm-hmm. your obsession with losing. Mm-hmm. Coach Smith even worried about you mm-hmm. and how hard you took each loss how did you ever i don't think you did actually how did you ever square never have that at some point you do have to lose yeah uh i've never been able to handle that and even you know i don't have many regrets about what happened in my career the biggest regret regret i even admitted it at the hall of fame induction in 2007 was uh, the sadness or the sorrow or the guilt that I had about not being able to get the 97 team, 98 teams. Those, I mean, we, we lost like, we were like 69 and six in those two years, but I never got either one of those teams to the final four. That was the biggest guilt or sadness or whatever. But right now, as I said, I don't have many regrets, but I hate the way that uh, the Wisconsin game ended. And to me, that was probably the biggest factor in saying well no let's try it again (laughs) but I knew it was time because I didn't feel like I'd gotten the guys to buy in like I'd been able to do in the past it's crazy if you think about if you had even thought about retiring after 09 and what you would have missed Mm -hmm. right and let's be honest it wasn't all champagne and roses no in the 2010s there was the NCAA investigation which I'm sure you took as there just it would seem to me from the outside that there was no way you were going to leave yeah. the program that was built by coach smith that you had came back in at the after 03 and really got back to a point where it should be mm-hmm. so in just from the outside again it look it would look to me like there was no way you were going to leave during any of that until that was mm-hmm. settled is that Square yeah, I've had, I had at the time. Oh, no question about it. I had a couple of more NBA offers during that time period. And two of my friends said, you ought to go right now because you had nothing to do with this scandal. Uh, and I hated even using that terminology, but uh, the junk, as you like, to call that's it. that's the better terminology. That's probably the only time you've ever heard me use the word scandal. Speaking of being stubborn, that probably yeah. helped you during all of that because mm-hmm. you were not able to recruit the same way mm-hmm. that you were at different points in your career. Uh, and you've often made the point like, yeah, I, I, I tried to get Zion Williams. Yeah. I tried to get these <laughs> these other five-star guys. But with all that going on, that you weren't able to. Yeah. I also wonder, though, speaking of stubborn, I'm guessing the anytime you hear Roy knew, you probably that probably made you go even more. I wanted to fight anybody that ever said that. I really did because I didn't know. didn't have any idea. I mean, am I supposed to go ask a professor, how are you teaching? I mean, he'd blast me just like if a professor walked out on the court 
and said, Coach, why aren't you doing this? I'd tell him which way to go, how quickly he could get there, you know, that kind of thing. And so every move and made in college athletics in not just 10 years, probably the last 30 or 40 years is stay out of the academic side. You know, let the teachers teach. You stay out of the academic side. Emphasize to your players, go to class, do their job. Do not call professors. And I mean, I, I've called professors when I was at Kansas. How can I help you? Evidently, he's not doing a very good job. How can I help you? What is his biggest weakness? I'm, not, I'm on your side. And every one of them loved that. And But all of a sudden, we get back here, and the academic side was not even inside the athletic department. We had no say. And so, no, I, I was hesitant even when I was at Kansas, but everybody loved my approach because I would say, right off the bat, I'm on your side. I want him to get his degree. In fact, the admissions director at Kansas, when I came back here, the admissions director at Kansas sent a note to the admissions director here, your job just got easier. Coach Williams doesn't want you to let anybody in that you don't want to. He wants to get better students. And uh, so, yeah, if somebody had, yeah, it would have been bad. <laughs> but in some ways, that kind, you have to take every situation as a learning situation or, or to try to make it a positive. Isn't that what you did? In 16 and 17? Yeah, I think in that... In the way that that team really yeah. came together, stayed together? Yeah, it was, then, it was, without saying it this way, it was a little bit of us against the world. You know, I'm, and I told the guys all the time, particularly Joel, uh, Justin, and Theo, they had already committed to us when it came out, but they could have changed. And I said, these guys stuck with us. It's going to work. I promise you, it's going to work. And, and it's us against everybody else. Now that the redemption thing, I'm extremely honest. I'd never even heard that word till we get to the Final Four. But the players had, and that was okay. Now, Chilio, we titled this episode of That Dadgum Legend Podcast, The End. The thing is... There's been multiple versions of the end for Roy Williams. I mean, Roy references the times that he could have left for the NBA. That's a different kind of end. That's ending his tenure at North Carolina, but the the coaching continues. But once he decided to stay at Carolina, it then shifted to, okay, when is he going to retire? And I feel like the real fir- like the first version of when will Roy retire? was in the thick of the NCAA scandal, especially in 2014 after the Weinstein report came out where Roy Williams likes to reference he was only named once or whatever it was, but it really did kickstart this. Do you really want to deal with this? Do you really want to recruit against this? This doesn't look fun for you anymore. I think one thing you should always remember about Roy Williams is the primary motivation for him, not only for coming back to Carolina, but staying at Carolina was to restore, repair, put Carolina back into a place where Dean Smith had built them up to. Like, he took that as a personal responsibility. Never mind any of the connections from the African-American you know, studies department at North Carolina that go back to Dean Smith or John Swafford or anything like that. This was always about with Roy, and that's where that stubborn streak goes, he was never going to leave that program, no matter how many times Wanda told him, you know, hey, you won this thing in 09, get the heck out, yeah. right? Go out on top. Yeah. And then we, then you get into the heart of that, the NCAA issues, the junk, <laughs> the scandal, as he finally uses with us. 
and you realize he was always going to see that through. Yeah, let's go back to 2014. Adam Gold and I are at ACC tip-off, the media day that typically happens in October. It was, I would argue, the most definitive conversation we've had with Roy Williams, or really anybody's had with yeah, Roy Williams. Give yourself some credit because at the time, you got to remember, he was only doing like, he did this post-game stuff, but it was like, or the only other availabilities were like at the Final Four and people mm-hmm. were like trying to, you know, give him the jump at the Final Four. So you guys, you and Adam Gold really had one of the rare interviews where he was actually asked by somebody not affiliated with, with UNC about everything that was, was going on. Is there a breaking point for you as a head coach where all the surrounding drama that you've dealt with the last two years is just not what you thought it would be at Carolina at this point? You know, I'll answer that two or three ways. Number one, what got Coach Smith out of coaching was the other junk. And mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like, mm-hmm. like this. Not not saying that by any means. But it was media, it was alums, it was recruiting. It wasn't coaching. So what has that made me do? Because I do learn, and I have tried to learn a great deal from Coach Smith. I focus so much on coaching. I love being on that court. When I chewed J.P. Tokoto's butt out the other day, <laughs> I loved it. All right, so I love that part. That's what's sustaining me. And then the second thing, you know, I told you last 16 months, if that had been my first 16 mm-hmm. months, I would not have been doing it right now. But I know, I know the rewards you get. I got a letter from a former player in the last week that meant more to me than anybody can ever imagine. And, you know, you got to fight your battles and try to fight the war later on. I believe from the bottom of my heart that when Roy Williams stops coaching, that his players will appreciate everything I tried to do. And I can live with that. Obviously, Roy sticks it out. Recruiting does not go the way that he's used to recruiting going. The things had shifted to Duke with the one-and-done era. But a, but a funny thing happened along the way. He wasn't getting the top recruits, and he always told you, I want to go get those top recruits. But instead what happened is he gets a special group of guys who stuck it out, guys who actually stuck around for three to four years, and they get to the Final Four in 2016, the championship in 2016, and the retirement talks started again. You talk about those NCAA settings. I don't think people understand that throughout the NCAA tournament, you have these required media availabilities. And which, it, which Roy loathed. And the context for this one is that Jim Beheim, who's also going through some of his own scandals at that time, he's been asked, when are you going to retire? Roy Williams also is being asked these questions, too, because, hey, man, you powered through the NCAA scandal, and here you are with this unique group that stuck with you playing eventually for a championship, which obviously they ended up losing in a dramatic game against Villanova, and Roy was absolutely not having it. I was back there listening to Jimmy's questions. Jimmy told you to stop asking him about retirement. He said, ask Roy, you have asked me that question five times since I got into town. I, if, I, if I'm going to retire, I think I'll retire in the next two minutes. Now, how good do you think the chances are of me going to retire in the next two minutes? So don't ask that stupid question either. Other than that. It's, it's, it's a- of course, we now know the rest of the story. They lose in the championship game. They come back in 2017. That's the redemption year. You're thinking, man, your third national title. Like, you got through the NCAA junk. You come through with a championship with this group that you absolutely love. Why wouldn't you walk away? But he didn't. 
Yeah, and this is where his relationship with, I think, Theo Pinson and Joel Berry in particular. And that's not to sell any of the other players that he's had in his career short. I just think those two guys, the way, Theo with the personality, obviously, Theo was the, was the good cop, right? And Joel was always a little bit of the bad cop. They had the yin and yang going. And, and Theo had a way with the needle with Roy that I don't think any of his other players ever did. And I think he enjoyed, he was he was at peace. That was the season I covered North Carolina. I covered Roy Williams that year. Was the 2017-18 season. They were seniors. They were, and, and Luke May really kind of flourished that year too. And he, he obviously loved Luke May as well. You know, the, the famous, is he a walk-on? Was he a walk Not a walk-on. <laughs> this, you know. But the true Luke May story, of course, is also definitive of Roy Williams, right? Here's this guy he kept giving minutes to and fans were grumbling about. Why are you letting this guy, why are you putting him on the floor? He can't play defense. He can't do this. And what does he do? He hits the second most famous shot in the history of North Carolina basketball to send the, the 17 team into the Final Four and on their way to a championship. So that was Roy kind of in a nutshell. That Those 16, 17, 18 years... And just to realize how at peace he was after that third championship. It took Mike Krzyzewski, really? I think until the 10 championship to get to that point where he was like, you know what? It doesn't really matter what anyone else says anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you would think about that. That was four for Kay. Like, that was four for Kay, and it also had to do with the type of team he had yeah. in 2010. Just when you grind like these yes. guys do and you take the losses so personally like these guys do. Like you think about it, like the, the, we talk about the, the greatest winning percentages in NCAA history. Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski are on the top of that list for a reason, because they can't let the Tuesday night game against Boston College go. They refuse to let their players treat it any differently, too. You, it's funny you mentioned the grind, though, because the grind came back for Roy. The Theo-Joel group, they lose to Texas A&M second round in Charlotte, right? The next year, though. He had another one of those special players, Kobe White, who had his own, you know, personal tragedies in his life that Roy developed a relationship with him at a young age. And honest to God, they didn't think Kobe White was going to be one and done. No. He comes in and it was just an absolute revelation, Mm -hmm. right? Had the crazy hair. Talk about great personalities. If it wasn't for Zion Williamson at Duke, (laughs) Kobe White is the biggest thing in college basketball. And almost criminally completely overshadowed. Why I joked that Carolina was under the radar that yeah, year by Zion Williamson and the, yep. and the show that was going on at Duke, but so that's a but that's still a fun year for Roy, right? Then, no, through no fault of Cole Anthony's, right? He's not Kobe White. Then he has some injuries early in that year. That nineteen twenty season really turned out to be just a a full on disaster because I feel like Cole Anthony was good early. Obviously not Kobe, but he was good early. Then he gets hurt. Then you have to kind of redo how you you process basketball. That was the year Garrison Brooks really came on when Kobe was out. Oh, excuse me, when when Cole Anthony was out. Then Cole Anthony comes back, and they just can never really figure anything out. And Joe, that year is Joe. They lost to Clemson at home. I, I know, I know, and it that, happened. It did, and that's the year. I, went, I left the News and Observer and I came to work for Capital Broadcasting. And the day I went over to talk to Roy Williams, it was before they played Duke for the second time. And we spent like 30 minutes talking down in the, the basement of the Smith Center. And I just remember how, you know how defeated he was at his, his retirement press conference? Mm-hmm. That's the way he was that day. And I'm sitting there going, 
I'm Joe Giglio, random nobody. I'm trying to give him the pep talk, right? I'm like, Roy, you got three of these things, man. Come on, snap out of it. You're you're one of the best to ever do this, man. But he took law. He took losing so personal that it didn't matter all of the other accomplishments in his career because he was so caught up in that team and trying to fix that team. Think about it, Joe. Thirty-two years, not a single losing season. Not even even the NIT year, right? Like he wanted to win the NIT, and yeah. everyone, everyone the year after they won it in uh, nine, they go end up in the NIT, and he's like, I was the only one who wanted the NIT. He's like, I would have put that banner next to the other ones. I didn't care because if if you're gonna turn the scoreboard on, I want to win, and that's how he was always wired, and that's why that season, even before it was shut down by the pandemic. I think that season was so much more difficult on him than than people realize. Our very first show, you cashed in that favor, and Roy Williams joined the program. And I think you were still trying to give him a little bit of a pep talk. Roy, you mentioned the season and the ending there. You're such a competitor that there was a brief moment in December, maybe after the UCLA or Yale wins, where I was thinking, you know... Maybe you're welcoming this challenge because it is such a change of pace. Maybe even, dare say, enjoy the new challenge. But I, I'm guessing the Clemson game changed all of that. Well, there were a lot of games that changed all that. The Clemson game, you know, I really, uh, we left the huddle and I had, didn't remind them that I wanted them to foul. And we had talked, we'd even practiced it the day before. And, but I didn't remind them. And then against Duke, we did do it, and it didn't work either time, you know. So, uh, but there were, it was, I think it was either five or six losses um, in the last minute. And most of the time, we just didn't get a stop. You know, a couple of times we had a wild shot or something that would have helped. But uh, I may have said this at a press conference my first year as one of Coach Smith's assistant uh, in 1979, 78, 79 season. We won five games where the other team had the last shot, and they missed all five. And so that was the difference in Roy Williams and Dean Smith. That's better coaching to get those guys to miss all those shots. We even played uh, uh, Virginia Tech. They were not in the ACC at that time. We played them in north-south doubleheader. That their best player was on the free throw line with zero zero on the clock, and I think it was a two-shot foul, but I know. Well, there's one or two he missed, and we won it in overtime. So it's, it was one of those kind of years that everybody says, oh, that will be good for you. I didn't enjoy it at all, Joe. I really I really didn't. It was uh, I lost weight uh, more than I've ever lost during a basketball season. I slept less than I ever have, and I don't ever sleep a lot. But uh, it was a hard year. But it was uh, we had a lot of injuries. We didn't play well. I didn't coach as well as I wanted to, but it was, uh, it was not much uh, – fun other than trying every day and I love trying to do the best I can and trying to get the kids to do the best they can and I don't think we ever ever gave up uh, it looked like it in some ways in the Syracuse game in the tournament that's the reason I wish that they were going to call it off they had to call it off you know 18 hours earlier <laughs> people Roy, people have a tendency to get mad at you for for odd reasons uh, uh-huh. This year, it was the least gifted comment that you made on your radio show. Now, I, my question for you: What was dumber? The re, what was dumber? The people getting mad about the Kansas sticker from the '08 title game, or the or the brouhaha over this least least gifted comment? Okay, what what was the question? Which one do I think was worse? Yeah, which, which one was, was which dumber, dumber which for which people to overreact to? Overreact. That's one A and one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, I mean. 
I say things because I say what I believe. I don't make things up. But in 1993, North Carolina beat my Kansas team. And I asked my high school coach to stay around with me so we could see Coach Smith possibly win his second national championship. And I'm up there waving the Carolina blue and white pom-pom. I really am. All right. So then fast forward to going walking down to my seats, which people said I was sitting in the uh, family. So I was sitting in my family's <laughs> situation, the, the, the uh, North Carolina sections where I was sitting. Uh, but I was walking down and one of my former players said, Coach, will you put this on? And handed me a sticker. And I said, yes, and put it on. And as I'm walking down, I said, somebody's going to get ticked about that. But I looked down on the Kansas bench. And there were three people there that I had either coached or recruited or that had been a manager for me or something. And I just thought, hey, the heck with it, because this is not wrong. So that was the, uh, the thing that bothered me there. I didn't think I'd done anything differently than either situation. And this one, it was I've had teams with four or five. I don't know if we've ever had six, but maybe we've had six McDonald's All-Americans on the team. And that's one way to judge the talent when coming in. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Uh, but Cole was hurt at that time. So yeah. Armando was the only one that we had on the court. And so I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I used that terminology when we beat Gardner-Webb. I said we should have won. We were more gifted. That wasn't saying anything negative. It was just, in my mind, being truthful. When we played Elon, I said the same thing. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd say one and one A as far as I'm concerned, but everybody's got their right to their opinion. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. More great news for Cary commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away now we've spent a lot of time talking about the accomplishments how competitive he is but there's two versions to roy williams there's the competitor which we can all see but then there's roy williams the true carolina man and i don't think roy williams gets enough credit for repairing north carolina from where it was from the Dean Smith to Guthridge era through the Matt Doherty years, which that's another podcast altogether. But when Roy Williams came back, he had a lot more to do than just win. Roy Williams smiles more easily today as he talks with us about his first two weeks as the North Carolina basketball coach. But leaving Kansas is something he still thinks about. We haven't taken the time yet to celebrate. We haven't taken the time yet to feel good because we've been working so hard. But then also, you know, you have that uh, buyer's remorse. 
you have that feeling that you left something. And while Kansas, in Williams's 15th year, nearly won it all, North Carolina, under Matt Doherty, nearly came apart at the seams. February, March, and April were stormy months in Chapel Hill, literally and figuratively. Those months were marked by player unhappiness with Matt Doherty's coaching style and controversy within the UNC basketball family over whether Doherty should be retained. Well, now it's May. Roy Williams is here, and the sun is out. He hopes, literally and figuratively. What went on with Matt, I never would have imagined in my wildest dreams could ever go on at North Carolina. There's, uh, there were so many different factions pulling. It was, it was, it was more political than I ever thought the North Carolina basketball program would be, and just not everybody on the same page. April 14th, Williams, still torn about leaving Kansas, walked into Carolina's house divided, conjuring up the notion of another UNC alumnus from Asheville that you can't go home again. Roy Williams, the optimist, has an answer for Thomas Wolf. For me, uh, you know, I think I can go home again. It's something that uh, uh, was a dream. And uh, uh, three years ago, I, I said no, and I thought that, uh, you know, that I would never have that because I never expected it to happen again. And uh, this time I said yes, and uh, the people have been great. I hope they'll continue to be great, and even more importantly, I hope they'll still feel good three years from now. <laughs> Bob Holliday, WRL Sports, Chapel Hill. One thing I think you have to understand with, with Roy Williams and, and how his understanding of, of Carolina basketball and Dean Smith and having a mentor like that, having your hero be your mentor, right? This is not just some random person who's your mentor. This is your hero. When you have that, you it's not that you don't want to fail them. It's you want to do everything in your power to make sure that you're kind of proving to them. You see, I learned. I was paying attention. I can I know what we're supposed to be doing. And I think it wasn't just Matt Doherty, because you remember with Bill Guthridge, longtime lieutenant, Dean Smith, he takes over one he takes over the best team in the country. Mm -hmm. Joe, he goes to the Final Four twice in three years. Mm -hmm. And the Carolina fans turned on him. Yeah. In a way that hurt both Dean Smith and Roy Williams. A lot of people point to recruiting falling sure. out under Guthridge. And that, sure. Look, understandable, but you're right in the way it turned on a guy yeah. who took him to two Final Fours. Think about that that 2000 Final Four in particular. And I've made this point to people over at Carolina before. We don't even remember that Final Four team as an eight seed. If NC State or any other ACC team other than Duke had taken an eight seed to the Final Four, there would be a statue out in front of the, of the building of that coach, right? But Carolina's history is so rich that there are times where you forget. And I think Roy did such a unbelievable job of repairing the family that we forget all of the work that he had to do in order to accomplish that. We talked to former athletics director Dick Bedore, who was told no once, and then eventually Roy Williams comes back, and we asked him about that job, that, that repairing of the Carolina family. I'm wondering if we don't give Roy enough credit. You know, we give him credit for the wins and the titles and the Final Fours and all these things. But when he when you brought him in in 03, he really had to repair some of those family ties and the and the the true Carolina spirit there. Uh, and I think that's kind of gotten overlooked. It, it, you know, it's been 17 years now, 18 years now. Uh, do, do you think he gets enough credit for? mending those fences and, and bringing the people from the program back together the way that he did. Well, it's a great, it's a great point. And, and now it's taken for granted, but you're right to reflect on it back 18 years ago because it was fractured and it, and it needed some help. And he had seen it um, in its heyday. And so he knew 
exactly what to do and he started uh, he started a, a a program to to uh, reach out to the Carolina family and, and meeting that in, in many different ways. And in, um, you know, as much as um, Coach Smith and Roy are alike, they are so they are, are also very different. Uh, and they start off with the same foundation and they kind of end up in the same place, but they go about things in a different way. And brought uh, Roy brought his personality. Uh, to the table, um, and he was just so very successful at it. I mean, it's just been a joy uh, to watch. And um, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he should get credit for that. And this also came out in the retirement press conference as well. You know, Bubba Cunningham, the current athletics director at North Carolina, went so far to talk about family, but also Roy Williams and his connection to all of Carolina athletics. Most recently, there was a gift announcement that it took a lot of twisting of arms and cajoling to get you to allow us to announce that. But that inspires others to do so. And the generosity doesn't stop at that gift. But I can remember the excitement of our women's tennis team when they were told that they had an extra year of eligibility through yours and Wanda's generosity to give them a fifth year to compete because COVID shut it all down. But many people don't know that you give gifts annually to almost every program we have each year. You have supported them financially. You have attended all of their events. You have led this department through servant leadership and an example that is second to none. I congratulate you on a great career. I'm really disappointed that it won't be longer. Of course, the funny thing about this, Julio, is if you ask Roy Williams about the money, he's going to tell you it ain't his call. It's amazing to think about. Roy and Wanda's relationship all through these years, right? And, and he referenced it in episode one where he talks about leaving his high school job. Where Remember now, Wanda was an English teacher, so they had two incomes to go and make $2,700 as an as a, you know, assistant for Dean Smith. I said to him, that's love. And then you realize the commitment on the other end and, and what they have both meant to North Carolina because it's not just... He made a point when that came out. Like he didn't, he did not want that information out there. No, right. But he made a point that Wanda's name's on there too because of she went to Carolina and for her and her love for her school. I've got some really bad news for you. Okay. You mentioned uh, your wife Wanda. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't call her Wicked Wanda anymore, man. Why? Three million dollars. She gave three million dollars to the university, <laughs> right? Well, and, and you're married. Joe's married. I'm married. We all know who has to sign off on a three million dollar oh, yeah. gift. We know. we know the deal. I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm surprised you put, put your name you on that one. You know, let me put it to you this way, okay? Over the years, and, and she, uh, somebody knew what was going on with it because it's been like five point eight over the eighteen right. years. But understand this, guys. I don't know how much money I have, but I know that she's rich. Okay. <laughs> Guys, we've been married 48 years. I've written six checks in 48 years. Five of the six were at golf tournaments that I was playing in. I just didn't know who to make it out to. So she put the dollar amount and, and signed her name, but I had to write who it was to. So uh, I don't do anything financially without Wicked Wanda saying okay. And uh, and I don't mind telling you even the whether it was last spring for the scholarships mm-hmm. or seniors at this one, she feels just as good about it as I do. The only negative is 
I was perfectly content for not anybody know, and she was too. Yeah, we didn't care if anybody knew, but uh, our people in endowment and uh, development they think it'll help bring some other people in, and I have had two people call and say we saw what you did, and we're going to do something mm-hmm. too. So I guess they know what they're doing, but no. Wicked Wanda makes all the decisions uh, that are not important. I make the decisions. You know, I run the dishwasher in the house, and I run the vacuum cleaner, and I run things. But uh, uh, she makes all the important decisions. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists. Talented surgeons. Highly skilled specialists all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at thedesignery.com. So let's go back to the beginning of the end. Kissing the floor. I will admit that I did not think anything of it, but I will also admit that I am not as immersed in Carolina lore like a lot of my friends are. And I had a couple of text messages from people who I would consider hardcore Carolina fans who, after Roy Williams kissed the floor, was they were like, it's over. It's a wrap. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Even the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, one of the biggest North Carolina fans we know, he had a feeling something was up when we asked him about it back in April. So I suspected something when he kissed the court. I just, I just, you just don't normally do that. And I just thought that he was probably wrestling with it. I, I was surprised, but you know, upon reflection, uh, it was, it was time for him to do it. It's his own personal decision. I'd like to see him coach another decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, I texted him so that I'd love to see him coach another decade. Okay. So Anton Jameson, who I would argue is the best player in UNC history. I know that says a lot, but I would make the argument. You can make the argument. After they lost to Utah in the Final Four in 1998, he walks off the floor, goes to the logo at the Alamo Dome, and kisses the logo on the floor before he walks off the floor. Many people at the time were like, wait a second, we've seen that before. Where have we seen it? Carolina fans in particular <laughs> were like, wait a second, we've seen this before. We know what this means. Like when he did it, Every Carolina fan was like, okay, he's going pro. Yeah. And you got to remember at that time, we were still in the, is he going to go? Is he not going to go? Like, it wasn't this one and done era that didn't exist, right? You have to go back to actually 1994, the very first time that Michael Jordan retired, okay? He left the NBA. He went and played baseball, minor league baseball. We know this. But he actually came back for a charity game for Scottie Pippen. That was like the unofficial last game played at the old Chicago stadium. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And after just absolutely tearing up these NBA players, he scored like 52 points in this crazy charity game, right? He made a point to go out to the center logo, the Bulls logo, at Chicago Stadium and kiss the floor and kiss the logo as a, as a tribute to Chicago Stadium. Now, what's now? Jameson obviously kisses the floor because Jordan kissed the floor. Roy says he didn't know about Jameson, which... Given the, the the details that we have just unearthed in the first episode or two here, I kind of ha- find now Roy was at Kansas. In, in all fairness, right? Uh, he probably didn't watch the nine ninety eight Final Four because that was one of those teams that was one of his. You know, he said, "I I have some. I don't have many regrets, but that I couldn't win it at Kansas in ninety seven ninety eight is is one of those." But yeah, I kind of find it hard to believe that. A, a, a person who is a student of history wouldn't at least know the Jordan reference to kissing the logo. Coming up next on the Roy That Dadgum Legend podcast. But I didn't have anything to do with the junk. The first uh, notice of allegation had my name in there one time and it said we interviewed Roy Williams. And the second notice of allegation, my name was never in there. And we had coaches around the country that names would be in there 20 and 30 and 40 times. I was not involved, period, the end. Your heart, it's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.